sleep, motherfucker. Don't go to sleep. And do me a favor. Don't disturb my friend. He's dead tired. Well, what the hell are you saying, Doss? You've lost half your body sleeping. I, I sleep pretty hard. Welcome to Rock and Roll Bedtime Stories. Hey, it's Brian. And hey, it is Murdoch. Welcome to Rock and Roll Bedtime Stories. And you send us letters. And we are the story guys at gmail.com. Andrew writes the show this week. Ronnie James Dio, he starts. He says, was he the first to use the devil horns as a rock and roll symbol? Gene Simmons seems to claim he did it first, too. Do you have any insight here? Oh, boy. Yeah, super fun. <laughs> I mean, I'm just going to say, as a former church kid raised by a preacher, I have a complicated relationship with the subject, so I'm worried we're going to turn this podcast into my therapy chair. Uh, so I want you to go first. <laughs> what is what is your relationship to the hand? Wait, do we need to explain what we're talking about? I mean, sh- no, it's the pointer and the finger out, and the middle two fingers are down, and the the thumb is th- tucked the thumb in is tucked in. Yeah, okay. So, yeah. and and how does this relate to rock? So, like in 2011, Heather Lovejoy from the Florida Times Union wrote this great piece on this whole subject. <laughs> she sums it up in this way, which I think is nice and articulate. So, I just am sticking this here. Quote: What some call the devil horns or sign of the horns, uh, and I mean some people call it the you know the rock sign. Some people call it. I don't know what, you know, there's all sorts of names for it. It has morphed into a mainstream way of saying rock on, right? I mean, there's right. there's like an emoji for it now. If you write rock on on an Apple iPhone, it will just pop up a little fist with the with the horns out. Yeah. So t- tell me, your relationship with the devil horns. Yeah, um, very clearly. Um, Motley Crue, White Snake, 87. Yeah. So I'm 13. And I see the devil horns, and I have this moment where I'm like, okay, I guess we're all doing this. <laughs> so we're all going to do this thing with the song and with the beats or, or with so the did snare. So did it feel like there was something happening spiritually in that moment? Did you feel like oh, we're communing with Satan, or was it just the thing everybody was doing in the arena? It's I think that's my latter. curiosity. Uh, yeah, it's the latter thing. Everybody it's like headbanging. Like everybody's but, just yeah. got their hand up. Yeah, I, I will say a year later at 14, I went with Uh-oh. a kid and his mom took the two of us. Devil to mom? See Me- well, no, no. <laughs> she, went to ta- she went to take us to see Metallica. And we had fourth row seats, for God's oh, yeah. sakes. Oh, my God. <clears throat> and we're standing on our chairs. Of course, yeah. yeah. Um, because it's just out of control. I hope you are. Yes, for sure. And Creeping Death is near the end, and so we're 14. That's my <laughs> chemistry teacher. God bless Miss Kavner. The, the mom and, was your chemistry teacher? Yeah. Oh, the plot yeah. thickens. This is great. Okay. It's like my, going. my buddy's mom um, at the time. we Yeah, small town Tennessee. Yeah, I got you. I, I won't get, there's more to it. But anyway, um, yeah, so she's watching us standing on these seats Doing the 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 devil horns in unison, screaming the words "die" over and over again, <laughs> and I was very cognizant of the fact that, like, well, this has got to be really fucked up for Miss Kavner. Like, she's gonna go to school on Monday, and like, what's what's this about? Uh, did she say anything in the moment? Yeah, she well, not in the moment because it's a little hard to hear. But she did <laughs> she did talk about that story later. So so. That's that's my relationship with it. I will say that Ronnie James Dio died the day that my daughter was born, and I tried to put that in the baby book, and man, I got into a lot of shit about that. 
RJD. I could not put Ronnie James Dio dying in the baby book like it being like a momentous day. Oh, oh my God. Because if someone's like, what's this number one song your kids want? It's like, Usher? I, like, I don't know. Like something yeah. not... But hey, I will try. I will keep that. I will keep that. I will know that she was always born on the day that Ronnie James Dio died. From here on out, at least you like, and I have that to look like back a on. rainbow in the dark. So keep oh going. My so God. So the entire idea that we're we're saying these two contemporary sort of contemporary rock musicians, classic rock musicians, yeah, invented but, this is interesting. But let's, so, let's keep moving. Right, right. There's a lot of ground to cover here. Like we'll talk about my personal relationship with this, as you can. Uh, assess and assume anyone that's ever heard the show of course it's a little complicated i found rock music through the oldies station and then through christian rock i was always obsessed with it i remember saving up money to buy cassettes like in the first grade so i was i was always into music the way i am now that's not changed uh but by the time i was seeing the rock and roll hand symbol that we're discussing i was a little older and i was way for way more familiar with a very similar hand signal that made all of this confusing and before i tell you what that is one of our producers said off the mic recently that his current favorite thing on the show right now is when you call me sweet, sweet Brian. <laughs> and I'm about to give you I'm about to give you reason to do that. <laughs> sweet, sweet Brian. It sounds like I'm about to say like mm, that pesky DNA. <laughs> sweet, sweet Brian. So okay. okay, let me just walk you through this. If the thumb is extended instead of folded in, that's the I love you sign in sign language. Yes. And we still do that in my family of origin. Like, we have always done it since we were kids. And, like, when we leave, when I leave my mom's house, like, we're in our 30s and 40s, and we do that to each other, to our mom. And and, and does that ever strike you as weird as that, like, that that Elvis from Hawaii special? Like, he flashes that thing, and it looks cooler in hell. Like, you're doing a thing that Elvis does. I never like thought about Elvis- it. Like, so here's the thing. I, I learned, like, a smattering of ASL. And I was thinking about this this week. It was at a really young age, and I don't remember why we did it. I remember it being important. and But it wasn't like we had people who we needed to communicate with through ASL or anything. But like we learned at some point in my childhood, and maybe it was just a family thing, but like the alphabet and our names and the, I love you sign. Can you, can you sign your name? No. Okay. So like, look at this. Like I can still like muscle memory sign my name. And I don't know why we did that or what the reasoning was. I, I like, it makes me think like maybe it was a thing we did at church, but I don't think it was. I think it was something my mom and dad instituted for us just when we were growing up. And it was like, I, I couldn't tell you when it happened. I've just always known how to do that. So the I love you sound was a big part of this. So I always got sort of confused with like in the sixth or seventh grade when I would see people doing the rock sign, I'd be like, that's really close to the I love you sign if you just sort of drop the thumb. And to make it more confusing, which we're going to get into, is sometimes people do the rock on sign. Sometimes some of these prominent people we're going to talk about do the rock on sign and they, they like sort of drop the thumb. So they're literally saying... I love you. So very confusing, oddly charming. When I moved to Arkansas as a teenager, I got more confused because I've never been a giant sports fan, but I got within the proximity of Texas football fans. And that's literally the same sign. Your hook em horns. The hook em horns thing is literally the same thing. So I was very confused. I, I literally remember people like specifying like, no, this is hook em horns, not not about the devil. Like that was a thing. Uh, okay, so <laughs> the Bible listen. belt. Okay, sweet, sweet Brian. That was adorable. <laughs> Your entire 
your entire. I got some interlude. sign language for you right here, buddy. Oh my gosh, he's <laughs> flipping me off for everyone that can't see that. Oh man. So okay, so how does this really get into the music thing? For okay, sure. Like okay. how does this actually enter? So I, I started to dig into this, and as you might guess, it's a little more complicated than just like was it Dior, was it Gene Simmons? But I think that these are the best places to start, and then we can do some historical digging. So let's take sure. the two separate claims. And we'll start with RJD, the man who died on the day your daughter was born, who passed the baton of life <laughs> to your daughter. Do you feel a little like she does she have a little Ronnie James Dio in her? Do you feel like the spirit of RJD sometimes no. when she gets a little pissed or anything? No? No. Okay. Nothing nothing up. It just was I thought it was fun, but it wasn't. Apparently not funny at all. So uh, I mean, you're the Ronnie James Dio guy, obviously, as you have already pointed out. So why don't you fill us in a little bit on on RJD and how he key connects to all this. Well, sure. So we've spent tons of time on the show, like recently and throughout covering Ozzy. We have spent um, so much time on this show talking about Ozzy. Like I went back and looked and I was like, I hope everyone likes Ozzy because we sure do talk about him a lot. As we should. Yeah, we should. Um, including, you know, so we, we have talked about him getting fired. Right. But, you know, when he would come out, he would... F- like on stage, you'd flash the peace sign. So when Dio gets the gig, oh. he didn't want to go out and do the peace signs. So he had to have something else. Right. So over the years, he gets asked to tell this story about this. And yeah. And, and when, when I sort of looked into it, what happens is it starts to take on this mythos, right? And then he, his grandmother. Yeah. He starts to get his grandma involved. So what is it about his grandma? Like his grandmother used to use it to ward off evil spirits or something, and and like he would see it as a kid. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Here, here's this quote: ex-wife, longtime manager, Wendy. Wendy. Yeah. Yeah. She a couple of years ago was interviewed for this, and this is her talking. It's an old Italian sign called Malachio, the evil eye, to ward off evil. His grandma, when he was about five, used to walk down to town to give his grandpa lunch at the steel mill and he'd see his grandma doing the sign it was like warding off evil and he didn't think about it it was just part of his heritage and then when he joined sabbath of course ozzy was doing the peace sign he didn't want to do that and one day he did it and it took off and it was just something that ronnie became popular for yeah so that's the standard story right that's the that's the standard story but it's probably worth stopping here for a second and talking about the historical aspects of this signal because he touches on it in this story, right? That, yes, in Italy and other Mediterranean countries, that sign, when it's sort of where you point it. But like if you point it down and sometimes upwards, like everything you read about this just sort of, it's very willy-nilly. It can serve as this uh, gesture to ward off bad luck, right? But here's something else I found, which is fascinating. In many Mediterranean and Latin countries, like Colombia, Greece, Italy, Portugal, Spain, Mexico, if it's directed towards someone and pointed upwards or swiveled back and forth, right, which you do see at rock shows, right, it is a sign meant to offensively imply that you are a cuckold. Oh. I, I, um. I'm, I'm thinking we don't have to explain what a cuckold is on this show <laughs> and, and just don't google it but let's keep moving. <laughs> don't google it at work don't google it at work uh but there's other stuff right like there there is a similar hand signal in buddhism right uh and, and that's like expelling demons 
Uh, there's a similar hand signal in yoga, the apanamudra, and it's said to bring health and strength, or maybe even clear up your gas, which is good. Going to going to be doing some of the, doing some of that later. Or you uh, can hold it up and bring in a hologram of great white white snake and white light <laughs> into your home <laughs> someday with AI. Yeah, be Sorry. be very careful just doing this in the dark. You never know what's going to happen. Okay, so that's like I feel like that historical background is important, and, and we have the tale from Dio's camp on how it entered the rock lexicon. But if you keep digging, you don't have to dig very far to find that there is some dissent among the ranks as to who really gets to claim doing this the most. Oh, yeah. We can ask that demon from the Bronx, Gene Simmons. Oh, we, we don't even have to go there yet, right? We, yeah. we don't have to leave the band. We don't have to leave Black Sabbath to find dissent. Okay. Uh, are you an Eddie Trunk fan? Uh, so, what a weird question, dude. <laughs> I think sometimes... I think sometimes... I believe, it's not a weird question, considering who that guy is. He was the VP of Megaforce Records when Metallica and, and, and what, Anthrax. Anthrax were both on Megaforce. So, why would that yeah. be a weird question for me to ask if you liked him? Now, it's just interesting, because sometimes I'm like, ah, I just want to punch you in the face, Eddie Trunk. I'm going <laughs> to stop listening. It's like a stern thing, almost, where it's like, I... I I can't believe I'm listening to this. Well, okay, yeah. So listen to it. So I still I like him clearly because I can't stop listening to him if I'm listening to it. He he's on serious now. He has this rich rock history. He was that VP of Megaforce Records, and that was like when he was young, 25 or something. But then he got this show on Sirius. I mean, he he was on terrestrial radio for a long time, and now he still does stuff. Anyway, in 2021, he does this interview with Geezer Butler from Black Sabbath, and. It is there, like three decades into the debate about this hand signal, that Geezer decides to drop this bomb on XM Radio and say that Ronnie James Dio's story is bullshit. Oh, that's fantastic. Uh-huh. So do you remember when we talked about Geezer back on episode 56? We got some quality Geezer time on that episode. I said yeah, we, we've he- covered Black Sabbath a lot. He got stabby, right? Stabby. <laughs> yeah, and what we pointed out in that episode, and I don't want to ruin it, he got stabby with a, with a member of another famous, famous rock band. Uh, so, he, well, I mean, sort of what we point out is like, he's the laid-back, chill dude, right? So you got Tony and his ego, and you got uh, Ozzy and all of his issues that we've documented, and you got yeah. Ward. And, yeah, I mean, you've got all these other big personalities, but, but like, Geezer's the chill dude. And he's also the accidental bass player, like he's the int whistle right. of the group. He's, he's so like the, laid back that he just is like, sure, I'll play bass, whatever. Yeah, but he's an he's a great bass player, plays with his fingers, and there's he's not obviously like he doesn't dance around like Int Whistle did, but boy he does. You know, he's a he's definitely not like Michael Anthony. He's playing he's a little more dynamic what the notes that he plays anyway. But if you push him a little too far, he can get stabby. We've learned that already. And here's what he says to Eddie Trunk in 2021, just less than two years ago. Quote, I have pictures of me doing this hand sign since 1971. And I always used to do it in the breakdown of the song Black Sabbath, just before the fast part at the end. And I would do it to the audience. The first couple of shows with Dio. Ronnie kept saying, when I go on stage, everybody's doing the peace sign, and to me, that's Ozzy. And I feel like I have to do something back, but I don't know what to do. So, and this is Geezer talking, Dio says to me, what is that thing you do during Black Sabbath? And so I showed him the sign. 
And that's what he started doing, and then he made it famous. Yikes. Well, that's some busting balls. I mean, he waited a long time to tell that story. The best thing about this interview, though, is that Eddie Trunk is a pro, and so when he smells blood, he keeps following the trail. And he asks Geezer if Dio ever stole anything else from him. He's like, oh. he's like, clearly figures out he's hit a vein, right? So, and then like, Geezer just turns and is like, yeah, here's a list. <laughs> so he's like, uh, there's a lot of things he nicked off me. Uh, the Dio album title, Sacred Heart. That's where I used to go to school. He called one of his songs, One Foot in the Grave. And I once jokingly said, we should call an album One Foot in the Grave. And then when he left Sabbath, he called his song that. And when I did an autograph, I would write magic. And so Ronnie started writing magic as well. In fact, he even called a Dio album Magica. He was very naughty about things like that, end quote. Very naughty. What a funny thing to hear from like a a seven-year-old man who's lucky he's alive who used to do like tractor trailer massive like, amounts full of, drugs. of cocaine massive. like yeah he's like i can't he was so naughty he stole things so if you want to see this there's this interview clip in the show notes where dio is standing outside his cool. bus talking about the hand sign and his part in the history in general and his long answer which has pretty much been recapped here ends with the statement quote invented no perfected made important yes so there it is for what it's worth. Story number one, that's the Ronnie James Dio version of the story. But that leads us to the second name mentioned in the question. And again, it's another one of your guys. You've already said his name, Gene Simmons. Uh, I hate that we had to make him my guy. <laughs> it's like if I could have anybody else, mm. not to be all woke about it, but like, man, it... Do you, do you just get a pass for not getting canceled because you're like 70 plus yeah, years old? He clearly he clearly has the pass. And, you know, we've, we've had other, we've had great episodes about Gene, too. We have a great Kiss episode, but we have the great episode about him trying to sign Van Halen, which is right. really, really good if and, you want to go dig and, in the back catalog. And just like with the dollar symbol, if there's a way to make money, Gene is going to try to do it. Gene is going to try to make money. So Jane tried to copyright the symbol (laughs) like recently, which is very audacious. But I mean, it's like pretty par for the course. If you're talking about Gene Simmons, what do you expect? June 2017, he files a fucking application with the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office for a trademark on the hand signal and claims that it was used first in commerce on November 14th, 1974 in the Hotter Than Hell Tour. In commerce. Yeah, that I'm sure everyone thought he was totally not full of shit. No, <laughs> no everyone thought he was totally full of shit. Uh, and he, he withdraws the application like two weeks later. Uh, but I, I think, have we talked in any of these other Gene Simmons episodes about his Chris Jericho interviews? Like, there's several of them. We've mentioned, yeah, we've barely gotten there. And I've listened to them because the, some of them have been pretty awesome. Because he's your guy. Uh, so there's a couple at least 2015 and 2017 2017 is the one we're referencing here where he will actually ask him about this whole fiasco because it's just happened it happens in the beginning part of the year I think this interview takes place at the end of the year and so this is Gene running his mouth quote when Kiss first started doing photos in 73 I was doing an homage I don't know what to do with my hands because I had wings as part of my costume and I wanted to show them. So you spread your arms kind of like a Christ-like pose. Of course, he's bringing this to Jesus. But I didn't know what to do with my fingers. So I decided... So then he, he gets into this whole comic book excuse. 
So I did what an artist named Steve Ditko did with Spider-Man and Doctor Strange, both of whom had did this hand signal. Now, he is right that traditionally, Spider-Man in the comic books and in movies and stuff, when he shoots webbing, he would like fold back his two middle fingers, right? That's right. And so then Simmons goes on. And the eternal Vishanti doing the hoary host of Haggath, that's Doctor Strange. So I was just giving an homage to my favorite comic book artist, Steve Ditko, and it caught on. So when we're playing live, I wanted to wave back at the fans who were just like, you guys are the shit, but I'm holding a pick in my hand. So I'm holding... So like this story keeps shifting as he tells it. He's like... First, he's like, yeah, I was doing the devil horns. Then he's like, actually, I was doing the Spider-Man. And then he's like, actually, I was just waving at fans. (laughs) Like, he's so manic. Oh, he's also full of shit. (laughs) (laughs) Well, dude, so I I dug a little deeper. And check out this shit. Simmons even says at some point that the version of the hand gesture is actually the I love you sign from ASL. He admits to that, which is wild. Yeah, because you 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 can't copyright. You can't copyright ASL. Is he literally trying to copyright the "I love you" sign for, from American Sign Language? What an asshole! Uh, so then Jericho asks him why he dropped this application. If he's right, it's like, well, listen, dude. If you think you are you were correct about this and you're doubling down on this, like, why did you not keep up with your legal thing you were trying to do? And then Gene Simmons just continues to sound like the biggest asshole. Quote, the uneducated, the uninformed, and the otherwise passionate got so hot under the collar that I didn't think it was worth it. And then he goes into this diatribe where he says, the idea that everybody's opinion is worth the same as everybody else's, I don't want to say it's bullshit, but it's uninformed. And then he makes this comparison about how, like, if you asked a mechanic about the noise your car was making versus if you asked me about the noise your your car was making, the opinions, there would be a weighted difference to the opinions. <laughs> and somehow he's bringing this back to whether or not he invented the hand symbol where we go, rock on, devil horns. <laughs> I mean, everything about it is so stinking hilarious. It's It's and- very funny. I mean, it's yeah. irritating, but it's very funny when you're removed from it. it. But it's not just rock fans. Like, if you go and start reading about when this happened, which was only like five years ago, six years ago, it, like, everyone gets annoyed. Uh, Dio was saying things before he died, even about how Gene Simmons, I, I guess Gene Simmons had sort of said this in the press or whatever. And so he he, he has some comment about, like, Gene Simmons also thinks he invented breathing or some some funny comment like that oh oh yeah it's appropriate but dio's wife who we've already mentioned she weighs in on it when it happens uh in 2017 sharon osborne says something on her daytime tv show because you know uh and even paul stanley at some point somebody corners paul stanley paul stanley's like i don't really understand why he's why he's fighting this this seems pretty ridiculous but you know who it really pissed off who's that uh jinx dawson have you ever rocked out to the band coven the 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 devil rock the the chicago band band. chicago yeah 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 what's the name of that 1969 debut album witchcraft destroys (laughs) minds and something dude yes Your disguise, then you know that she's. 
She's the one that had you hypnotized Everything she touches dies Everything she touches dies Everything she touches dies Everything she touches dies We just burn it on the hill And it's on the front of this records where they are flashing the same sign that we're talking about. And, and reap souls. That's dude, I know, right? So they, they really give the sign some credit. Th- these other guys are just assholes on stage playing like sort of semi-dark music. But these Don't guys... Don't want to wait till you know me better, <laughs> devil sign. Devil sign. <laughs> uh, I heard Kiss in a coffee shop today. I was like fucking drinking medium roast listening to what? Kiss. It was great. What, what uh, song? Like what song? Uh, S- Strutter? Yeah, yeah, it's a great song. I, it was a really good song. It was weird to hear there, and like followed by "Chop Suey" by System of a Down. And, and somebody went rogue in that coffee shop. Anyway, yeah. uh, so you you just rattled off that record title. It, they're gonna get <laughs> tagged with the label Occult Rock, right? Like they they bring some credence to the Devil Signs because it's witchcraft and shit. There's this great piece from the '45 highlighting Jinx because they do this series about women in rock who have been sort of forgotten. And it is wild. This is a great story because Jinx has gotten totally sort of written out of rock and roll history. Let me read this paragraph from this article. Like Jefferson Airplane, had they crossed over to the dark side, Coven's brand of psychedelic acid rock was held together by Jinx's mighty whale, but perhaps her greatest contribution to the history of rock and roll was the invention of the devil horns, which Jinx has staked claim to and said she invented as far back as 1966. So Dio, Gene Simmons, they're really talking about inventing it in the late 70s or popularizing it in the late 70s. In fact, and I'm going back to the article, when it was rumored that Kiss's Gene Simmons was looking to trademark the gesture a few years ago, Jinx, who is still working under the coven name with gigs in Europe, released a rightly hacked off statement. Quote, I never trademarked my sign because it was meant for all to do, she wrote, and then she threatened to countersue. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, this this band is a really good story. They they inspire Black Sabbath. There is a song on that record that we already mentioned called Black Sabbath. They uh, they piss people off because in that first record, Jinx is naked on the inside cover, and she's like not twenty, like she's a teenager still. Yeah, and she's laying on an altar, and they take all of this stuff really seriously. There's like a song about seance. It's like thirteen minutes long. There's just like a lot of theater to it. And and this is like early satanic panic, right? Like before it really hits in the 80s. But yeah. But what what they get tagged with is there's this article that comes out in Esquire magazine and bad journalism, I guess, directly puts them related to the Manson family. Like saying that they like influenced the Manson family. And and you know what that causes? At that point in U.S. history, they just take them off the shelves. So if you've like never heard of this band, this is why they get removed from commerce because of this connection, which is wild. So go, yeah, yeah turn up some Coven tonight. Enjoy that. Uh, so I don't know. Maybe Coven invented this. They actually seem to actually walk the talk better than any of these acts. But remember, I told you Geezer was like I don't know 
high or you know lubed up with liquor when he did this interview with Eddie Trunk. And he says, there's this other quote that's just sort of like at the end of this, where he says, quote, if you look at the Yellow Submarine album cover, John Lennon's cartoon character is doing the sign. <laughs> and he's right. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. It's so weird. I remember looking at it a long time ago when I, I never wanted to buy that record, but it was like the one I didn't have. So I bought Yellow Submarine. And I we, think that's you know, why I everyone s- bought Yellow Submarine because they it was the one they didn't have and they felt like they had to. I just remember going over and looking at the art on it, and one you know, and wondering what I was looking at. It is really weird if you if you pull this up and you can find it, of course, in the show notes somewhere. There, like, what is he doing? I've never noticed that before. That John Lennon is sort of behind everybody with his fingers up in the year. And so I looked into this. The original artwork is created by this London-based German illustrator. His name's Heinz Eidelman. Uh, and, and he does, in fact, have John, arms raised above, everybody's heads, horns aloft. So let's look at the timeline on this first. The album drops in 69, but the 69 cartoon is supposedly based on photos of Lennon making the hand sign in like some publicity photos that go back to like 67-ish. So Jinx and John Lennon, their origin stories on this hand sign are right around the same time. Now, there is some speculation from Beatles fans that John's hand signal is more like the I love you slash Spider-Man's web pose. Because his thumbs out, like especially if you see that original photo, which I think you you can find in an article in the show notes, like the thumbs out a little bit. It's this is why it's all confusing. I mean, I said at the top, this was very confusing to me as a child because I was like, I don't understand how the "I love you" sign relates to rock and roll because half the time, Gene Simmons and John Lennon are flinging around the ASL "I love you." But also, I don't think that regular, like the everyday regular person, knows what it is either. Or knows the difference, or knows there's a difference between. The you thumb. mean not everybody it's, learned ASL so they could tell their mom at the ripe age of forty they love her when they're leaving her house? <laughs> no, I'm just saying that like there's lots of guys that like you know can flash the devil horns and be like, all right, yeah, and like yeah. that's it, like you get it. But it's also like if if you, you know, it's like it's got to be a completely different thing. It so, sort so, of depends I, on. I mean, okay, to this point, some people think that it's possible the cartoonist misrepresented the I love you side, right? So, because that is a little, I mean, all you need is love, right? I mean, that's the Beatles. So that would make a little more sense with their public message. So who knows? So the real question is, at this point, where does this leave us, right? So I, I kept looking to see what else there is. And there are a couple of things, like... You can start to dig up on the internet references in places in movies and pop culture where they're like, oh, look, so-and-so did this sign. It's like, are they really doing that sign or are they doing something else and it looks like that sign? Like there's some Marlon Brando movie where people are like, oh, he did it. And it's like he was referencing Snake Eyes playing dice or something. You know, it's like that's not really the same thing. Um, I think bed knobs and broomsticks, there's like some African warrior walking through at the beginning of it. And he sort of waves his hands around, you know, it's just like a lot of that sort of crap that people will say like, Oh, this is the first case of it. There was even a period in the seventies where like P funk was using this 
like George Clinton and Bootsy. I mean, and you know, it's like they just get a pass. They can do whatever they want because they're George Clinton and Bootsy. But this would have been sort of after, uh, at least after Coven for sure. So yeah. I did find this whole thing about Ike Turner. Now, I don't know how much we've really talked about this on the show, but you know, there is this school of thought that like, eh, like him or not, Ike Turner kind of invented rock and roll. Have you ever heard this? Yeah. Rocket 88. Rocket yeah. 88 sort of considered the first rock and roll song. So there, there's like a few mentions of things in interviews or like memoirs or whatever where Ike Turner sort of drops this idea that he was doing the rock and roll sign at some point in the early 50s. That to me sounds like Ike Turner running his mouth, much in the same way that Gene Simmons runs his mouth two decades later. Right, which <clears throat> other than there's never going to be a way where Ike would have ever been able to get his reputation back even remotely like it was. But when you go on the tour at Sun Records in Memphis, if if that song comes on, they'll be like, this is the this is the one of the first, you know, rock and roll songs ever made and probably one of the best ones ever. I mean, um, we haven't so they, done a lot of Ike Turner on this show. There's a yeah. lot there, man, but it's like, you know, that's some touchy territory. Oh yeah, sure, absolutely. Uh, but the, the, there's piano playing that he does specifically on a song called "How Many More Years" in 1951, Helen Wolf's uh, song, and you know he says that he was using it. So I don't know if he's like playing chords and then he's like lifting up his hand or you know whatever. Maybe I just think he's sort of licking the frosting here with this whole like I own rock and roll thing. But I did I did uncover one more interesting artifact that I would yep. I would argue is more interesting. Which is Okay. Well, have you, have you ever heard, have you ever heard of the band? The New Orleans Owls. No. So that's is it a like a cabaret like so, sort of. So they were early jazz. I mean I, I mean early. They recorded twenty three sides for Columbia from 1925 to 1927 on 78 RPM phonograph records. So Wow. I, 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 we keep referencing old episodes of the show, but you remember the Smoke on the Water episode? Yeah. Okay, so remember what we talked about, about the recording instrumentation, like the thing that was on site when they were going to record Smoke on the Water and what that song is actually about? Yeah, uh, yeah, and so they the the story was that were they writing a song because there was a fire that they saw. Yeah, but there was a uh, fire outside. outside this casino that Frank Zappa, like Frank Zappa's on stage at the casino. This fire starts, right? But they were there to record in this room, and the, what they were going to record into was this mobile recording unit they borrowed from the Stones. Oh yeah, yeah. So that, like. Yeah, that like Led Zeppelin used. Right, right. Uh, and so made a bunch Led of people Zeppelin used III. it. A bunch of people yeah. used it. And so we yeah. spent some time talking about this crazy mobile recording unit, and they get a lot of credit for this, right? Because it's, I mean, they're a huge band, and they have the money because they haven't been paying their taxes, obviously. And like, you know, they buy this mobile recording unit. Yeah. But so the special footnote in the history of the New Orleans band the New Orleans Owls, is that they had some rudimentary version of this back in the 20s. They're reportedly the first group to record by the electric system operating from a mobile recording van. 
Wow. Like, I can't even imagine what that would have been like in the 20s because you barely have vans. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I'm trying to picture what that looked like in the 1920s. Yeah. So, but their main gig was this reoccurring thing they did at the Roosevelt Hotel in New Orleans. But in 1927, there is this recording by the New Orleans Owls called Throwing the Horns. It's on 78 RPM, Columbia 1261D. And it has this vocal by two band members. Here it is. If you put the horns on me, what you prefer? I'm gonna put the horns on you. You mean them horns? I mean those great big horns. Mm-hmm. Now, if you start messing around and steal my little baby, what I want with that hen? I'm gonna do the same you and I don't mean maybe. Oh, be beautiful, be beautiful. I'm gonna be like Mr. Pluto. Who that? Oh, that's the devil man. That's who mm. that is. With my horns on my head. And still hand waiting for you. Look a yellow. So if you put the horns on me, what you gonna do I'm gonna foam on you. You mean them long, long horns? I mean those long, long horns. Ha, ha, ha. Did he not? I mean those big horns. So that maybe is the beginning of the horn. I mean, I like that story. I like this idea that sure. this, this random jazz band in New Orleans, we get to think them. And that everybody since then, for the last hundred years, has just been totally ripping them off. That's sort of a fun version of this story. Um, but I don't know. What do you think overall? Like when you hear all of these stories, what, what's sort of your takeaway? Everything else that I've known and heard were things that just didn't seem like they really added up. Like it had to start somewhere else. So yeah, maybe this sort of turn of the century, like these seventy eights, are really like a great entryway in understanding it. Well, in this so than, right than not. And this is what this show is here to do, right? Like, this is, like, when I try to explain the show to people, I, this is a great example. It's like you've you've heard the rock and roll hand sign was started, was popularized by Dio, right? But, like, what's the real history of the devil horn hand sign? And I think the real answer is it. there's a whole bunch of cultural implications to it that have morphed and developed over the years and there have yeah. been several borrowings of it throughout pop culture and in the 70s several different dudes a couple of them competitive who had very big pedestals started waving it around and then it sort of became synonymous with rock and roll i think that's the succinct paragraph long version that's pretty awesome <laughs> <laughs> so, like, what is, is there, like, a band or a song that, like, you automatically, when you hear it, your hand goes into that? Uh, Looks That Kill by Motley Crue. Of course. Of course. Yeah. yeah, I think whenever I hear, like, a real cock-rocky guitar solo, that that's when I, I feel the hand cramp up, you know? Like, I'm, I'm trying to think of a really good one. Even, like, this isn't cock-rocky, but it's sort of paved the way. Like, um, Hammer to Fall by Queen. When that starts, yeah, yeah. I mean, I can't help it. the The horns come out. Yeah, you ever thrown oh, the yeah. horns inappropriately? You ever like just you know been at yeah. like a Carly Rae Jepsen show and thrown the horns? No, I th- I threw them. I threw them when a bunch of people were listening to Kenny G, and they were seriously listening to Kenny G. <laughs> <laughs> and, <clears throat> and it was a it was an awkward adult situation, <laughs> almost adult. I wasn't quite an adult yet. Uh, well, listen, if you want to get involved in the show, if you've got a question for us, if you want to tell us 
wrong about our devil horns, I'm open to it. Hit us up. It's wearethestoryguys at gmail.com. There's other places you can interact. You can find us on Facebook at The, the Story Guys. Uh, you can hang out with us on Instagram. Thank you for everybody who's been doing that recently. Uh, that's instagram.com slash stories. We've got a Patreon. That's patreon.com slash stories. And, I mean, maybe we should tease that very soon we've got a big announcement about a big contest. We got concert tickets and opportunity for you to see some of the biggest rock and roll bands in the world uh, this yeah. fall. Maybe come to our hometown. I don't know. I don't know. We'll talk more about that later, but we got a lot going on. And yeah. uh, you can check it out at our website. What's that website, Murdoch? It's wearethestoryguys.com. And what should people keep doing until we get together again? Make sure and keep throwing those webs, Spider-Man, and keep telling the story. <laughs> keep throwing the webs. Yes. Rock and Roll Bedtime Stories is a Story Guys production. The show is produced and edited by Brian Eichenberger. Get more stories, hear more podcasts, and book the guys for your conference or house party at wearethestoryguys.com. Copyright Boy Have We Got Stories Productions. All rights reserved.